Thank you so much, Hilt. And um, for everybody online, it's honestly a privilege for me to be able to minister the word at Open Skies this morning. And so before I begin, I'd love us to pray together. Because, you know, otherwise you just stand here and you speak words. But it's when the Holy Spirit empowers those words that something changes. So let's pray. Father, I come before you today in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. And I trust you, Lord God, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to empower every word that is spoken. I pray for clarity of mind and thought, not only for myself, but for everybody who is listening or watching today. And so, God, I ask that your word would become crystal clear. I also pray, God, that you would open our eyes as to the reality of, of the life we're living now and the reality of what lies ahead. And so I pray that you would cause scales to drop from our eyes, that we would be able to see as we have never seen before. And I'm trusting you, God, for souls to be saved as a result of this word going out, not just as uh, this podcast or, or, or this video is being watched, but from the lives of those who would take the word and speak it to others. And so I thank you for that, and I take authority over you now, Satan and demon powers, and I break your hold in the name of Jesus. I declare to you that every strategy of yours is rendered ineffective and powerless. Everything that would come to steal the word of God, misinterpret it, or bring any oppression or anything that would uh, interfere with that which is spoken or received. And so as I'm submitted unto God and resist you, you will flee in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every heart to be touched. And I submit myself under your mighty hand today, God, in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen. Right, so I want to speak to you today about life or heaven world is what I've called it. And, you know, I was, as I was preparing for what I wanted to minister today, uh, I really was taken back to something that I had preached back in 2008. Um, I had done a series, a small series on this topic, and I, I just thought it would be a wonderful thing to combine some of those, some of that teaching as an introduction to what I'm going to be doing in the Bible College, which is teaching on heaven and eternity. And as Adele said in the introduction, um, she said that if you're planning to go on holiday, it's, it's just, it's stupid if you don't look at, you look at things, you make preparation, you investigate the place you're going to, so that there's an excitement that builds in your heart. And you know, we all do that when it comes to a natural holiday. But when it comes to where we're going to live forever, we often just dismiss it. It's, yeah, I'm going to heaven, but let's not think about that now, because this world has such a hold on us. So now we're just going to look at a few things. And I want to contrast heaven world with Disney world. And I'm going to bring in earth world and real world as well. And you're going to find out what I mean as we go through this teaching. So I want to start by looking at Hebrews 11.1, 1, a scripture that's so familiar to most of you. And I want to look at it first in the NIV and then in the NLT. In the NIV, it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And in the NLT, it says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that what, that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot yet see. We can't see it, but it is totally real. Now, 
just talking about Disney World for a, for a couple of minutes. I know that those of you who are joining us this morning, um, some of you have gone to Disney World, but others, and probably the vast majority, have not. And so I just want to speak to you about this for a, a few minutes. You know, Walt Disney was the man who had this vision of creating a world, and it was really supposed to be something that he said would be the happiest place on earth. That was, that was the dream and the vision that he had. And there is something of that that really does happen at the Disney theme parks. It's a time when people go in there and everything about Disney World uh, is, I want to say, contrived. Because it's something that is every person who goes in there as a, as a worker in any sphere whatsoever, they might be somebody who actually cleans the bathrooms. They might be one of the cast of characters, maybe Mickey Mouse or um, Snow White or any of these people that, uh, that are part of the, the Disney experience. But every single person there is considered a cast member even if they are just the person who cleans up, because cleaning up in Disney World is part of their ethos. They want it to be a, a place where, where you go, you're not invaded by the problems of the world that you live in. So you go into this fantasy place, and um, I've just got a couple of pictures to show you, photos of Disney World. If we can have those, please. Um, and if you look at this, you'll see that the previous, the previous picture showed us an ice cream cone, I mean an ice cream, and the next one shows us a kind of pretzel but made in Mickey Mouse's face, and then as we continue, even that burger and chips is made to look like Mickey Mouse, um, and here we just see part of the parade. And see, when children go to Disney World and see this, they'll see um, Pluto and they'll see um, Minnie and Mickey and they'll see all the other cast of characters. To them, it is the fantasy that becomes reality. And this is what Walt Disney wanted. And he wanted to make it a place that was so attractive and where the actual atmosphere there was so engaging that people would save up for years sometimes to take their family to Disney World. And, you know, when you go there, and I'm going to get back to this toward the end of this teaching, when you go in there, you can buy a pass for one day, three days, or seven days. And that pass allows you to go anywhere that you want to go in Disney World, which is really comprised of four different, four different um, experiences. But we're not going to go into that. I just want you to know that the Magic Kingdom is what the one, the one land is called. And this is all part of Disney World. And all of this, when people are in Disney World, what happens is that every cast member has to stay in character. Underneath where the, where the actual park operates, there's a subterranean world underneath that. And when the people are in the tunnels and in the corridors and even places where they can go and eat, in those places they can just be themselves. But the minute they cross a specific yellow line, which is where they exit the underground part and come into the part which is actually the park where people are, they have to stay in character. Um, they, you know, I read once about 
an absolute trauma that a child had at at um, Disney at Disneyland in um, in California. Disney World is in Florida, but uh, they were going along, and there was Mickey Mouse had got drunk. Um, and he punched somebody. And that was actually traumatic. And it's completely, it's, it's a kind of thing that they never, ever want to happen. They want everybody to just know Disney World and love being at Disney World and believe in Disney World. That's really what it's about. But now that is an, that is an experience that you can have over a week of your life. But it's not real. It is all nothing but fantasy. And it's fantasy that is, there's a purpose behind it, and that is to make people happy. Now, if Walt Disney had been a committed Christian, he would, I don't know if he was or not, but he would have known that there is no place on earth that will ever be completely happy. Because you can be at Disney World, his intention might be to make you gloriously happy and forget life, and somebody could have a heart attack right there. Because these things invade even our happiest times. But that is, that is just the, the state of being. Um, but heaven world, on the, our, our heaven world is what I've called heaven because it really is a world. And it's something that we've not yet seen, but that doesn't make it any less real. And heaven world is real and heaven world is permanent. Um, so it's a place of reality. Now, Disney does the opposite. It convinces you that fantasy is real. You know why? Because it invades your senses. And in this world, we live by our senses. We live in the, the sense realm. And in the sense realm, we believe everything that the media tells us. You know, this is where the media, okay, you can take that down, thank you. Um, uh, the media knows that Advertising is the key to getting us to believe in something and to buy something. Now, nowadays, they don't have any cigarette advertisements. But when I was growing up a very long time ago, when I was growing up, cigarette adverts were all over the place. So were alcohol adverts. And there was one of the camel man. And, you know, you saw the camel man because it was advertising camel cigarettes. And so the, the, what was projected was smoke camel and you're going to be a really macho man. And all the men are going to envy you and all the women are going to want to be with you. And you know, that, that is a lie because the reality is you're going to end up an old man with yellow teeth and emphysema. Um, and so what they're selling us is honestly a lie. Um, it's no matter what you look at. There also used to be a lot of advertisements for alcohol. And you would see people drinking Mainstay, and they would be on a yacht somewhere in the Mediterranean. And so when you bought Mainstay, you were buying a dream, but that dream wasn't the truth. And now, these, these number of years later, people have found out that cigarettes kill, that alcohol develops an alcoholic lifestyle, and so we're not even allowed to advertise it anymore. However, there are many other destructive things that are advertised. Um, but we are going to really just contrast this with something else. But I want you to think again how difficult it is to convince somebody that something is not real when their senses tell them it is. And you know, I went to, took my daughter when she was four years of age to Disney World and to, um, and, and, and to Universal Studios and so on. And I didn't, I'd never been on any of the rides at um, Universal myself. But I went into this ride with Christy, and she was four years of age. 
And as we were setting out on the ride, there's a time when you go over a bridge and it looks as if you're going to fall and you're going to land up in the river below. Um, and here's this four-year-old. And the, the, the courier on the train, the train begins to shake. It tilts sideways. Far down below is a ravine with a river at the bottom. And the courier says, oh, we, it's, the train's going to fall. We're going to fall in the river. We're all going to drown. And this child opened her mouth and screamed. And I took hold of her and I said to her, it's not real. It's not real. She goes, it's real. It's real. And you see, and that was actually a moment where fear entered her life. But the thing was, I was sitting there saying to her, it's not real. The way I'm saying to you today, this life is not permanent. It's not your real life. Your real life lies ahead. And I feel sometimes as if I'm convincing this four-year-old it's not real when his senses say it is. I can feel the train moving. I can feel it tipping sideways. The lady said we're going to fall into the river. We're all going to be drowned. And here's me saying it's not real. And see, this is the thing. Our senses actually invade our lives, and our senses convince us that this world is some kind of giant Disney experience. It's a thing where we, you know, people just don't even want to think beyond it. Um, it's like it's, it's this giant party, and we can all just live for today, eat, drink, and, and be merry, but we forget that tomorrow we die. Um, and so there's this, this sense. And as leaders in a church, one of our biggest, um, the big, one of the, the biggest jobs we have been given is to show people that this life is temporary. And this life is simply a training for eternity which lies ahead. And that is what the Word of God says is our real life. And so we have to get to a place where we're no longer walking by sight, but where we are walking by faith. Um, and in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, and so we don't have to go after the things that this world has to offer. We need to go after the kingdom because in that many things will be given to us. But we are also storing up treasures and rewards for the life that is to come, the real life. And, you know, being somebody who is a South African and was brought up and lived in, I mean, I was born and raised in South Africa, I'm so aware of the ravages of apartheid in this, in this country. And just being able to study, which I did way back in the early 2000s, to study on heaven and eternity gave me a sense of comfort because I knew that I had been born as a privileged white person. I hadn't been born as somebody who had had things taken away from them, their land taken away. I was not in that category of person. I was privileged and I was a white person. And I had struggled with a lot of white guilt because of that. But as I began to study this, I realized that I could have been born into this world as a privileged person, but I could go into the next world as an underprivileged person unless I understood what I was doing with this life. And so even people who've been born in this world underprivileged, at most, they, like if you're very, very blessed, you'll live 100 years. And honestly, in the light of eternity, that's a breath. It's not even a breath. 
It's just the beginning of, of a drawn breath. That's how short this life is. But if we will use these lives preparing for what lies ahead, we can enter the next world as a privileged person depending on, on what we have done and how we have lived here and how much we have given of our lives to serve God because that is what we do. Our goal is to please him. In Mark 4, 18 and 19, Jesus said this. He was giving the parable of the sowers. Um, and he said, still others, he's talking about the word of God being sown as seed. He said, still others like seed sowed among thorns. Hear the word. Now listen to what chokes them out. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And so when we think that this life is all there is, we can hear a word that is preached in church, or we can read, and we all have to read the word for ourselves. Um, we have to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. We, we have a responsibility to do these things. So whether it is a word that we've received for ourselves in our own quiet time, or whether it's a word we've heard preached in church, we can be in church and receive that word and our minds say, yes, that is right, and our hearts receive it. But then we can go from this place. And because the deceitfulness of riches, which is a huge thing, causes, the, causes us to go, just put the word aside because we want to buy all these things, or we want, there's just worries about this life. Um, and the desire, it says uh, that they come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. And again, it's the contrast between um, earth world and real world, which is heaven world. And then Hebrews 11, 24 to 27, which is the great faith chapter. And I started with verse one. It says this, by faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And you know that each of us can be in the same situation where we can intelligently look at what this life has to offer and go, you know what? I'm not going to give my life to the pursuit of things here because everything's going to burn. Or I'm going to die and leave it all behind. I'm going to make the pursuit of what really matters. That is going to be my aim. And never mind the pleasures of sin for a short time. Never mind the, the esteem one can gain in the world. Following after God is what it's really all about. We pursue that which is invisible. Uh, but the sad thing is that people often believe uh, more in what they see than, what in, in, than in what they don't see. And so here we've had this big um, Disney experience. But now here's the thing. When you've been at Disney World... There comes a day when your pass expires. If you're there for only one day, then you, you can barely get from one side of the park to the other, and it's over. Three days, you've got more time to explore. Seven days is gonna cost you a lot, um, but it's there. Some people even get season passes. But here's a news flash. That ticket that you've got to go to Disney World is going to expire. 
And for us in this world, we don't realize it, but each one of us has a ticket to this life. And there's an expiry date on it. And when that expiry date comes, this life is over. And that is the time when our real life begins. Our period on this earth is simply a time where we can learn to know God. It's where we get trained. We get trained in righteousness. We get trained um, through the, the teaching of the word, the preaching of the word, through our own living out the word. We get trained to be valuable in God's kingdom as to the way in which we live. See, in Disney World, people put on a character. The minute they put on that Mickey Mouse suit or the minute they put on a Disney badge and they go out to work in the cafeteria, they are in costume. They have to keep to that character. But um, Earth, but heaven world isn't like that. In the church, and the church really is an expression of heaven world here in this earth. It's like we're living in some kind of parallel universe. It's like we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Um, and so something happens to us. I want to contrast this with Disney World or any theme park where a person puts on a costume and they put on a character, but it's a fake thing. They go out and they live that character until the end of their workday when they take it off and they revert to be a normal person. And probably when they've had a smile all day, because that's what Disney requires, um, they, can, they can go out and growl, you know, at the people in, at home because they don't have to keep up the smiling facade. Whereas heaven world is different. It's like in heaven world, we're told and I'm using heaven world at this moment while we are still here on this earth. But it says in Philippians 3.20 that we are citizens of heaven. And so while we are here, we are demonstrating what heaven world is really going to be like. And we are taught to put off the old man and put on the new man. And see, what we do is not to put on a character which is fake. But what we do is we are transformed by the preaching of the word, by the renewing of our minds so that we know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And we are transformed as our minds are renewed. And so we are actually changed. The person I am now is not the person I was when I was 20, or the person I was when I was 25, or the person I was when I was 30. I was 32, just about 33, when I, when I got saved. And the person I am now actually bears very little resemblance to the person I was back then. Why? Not because I've put on a fake character, but because something has changed inherently within me. And the same thing is true of you. If you look back, you should be able to look back to a period of time when you first got saved and say, I know that I have matured. I know that something has changed in my life and I'm not the person I used to be. Um, so, real world, for each of us, do you know what real world is? Real world, when our tickets to this life have expired, real world has only two destinations. There's heaven world or there's hell world. And each of us is going to go to one or the other. And if we give our lives to Jesus Christ... That means that heaven world is our ultimate destination. However, if we live for ourselves alone, 
and we refuse to receive Jesus or we just put him to one side and go, you know what? I'm having too much fun right now. One day I'll give my life to Jesus. I've heard people say that. But we never know when, when our ticket expires. We never know when this life is over. So I want to just look a little bit further at... What do I want to look a little bit further at? Oh, yes. First Peter 2, 11 and 12. Uh, Peter says this. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. And you know, our lives should convince people that there is something better than what the average person is able to experience. I just think back to when I wasn't a Christian yet, and I think of some people that taught alongside me because I was a teacher before I became a Christian. And I think of one, one uh, young teacher in particular. And you know, back in those days, I was demon-possessed. I was also an alcoholic. But the big thing was that I used to, I had a really, a really foul mouth, and I used to swear constantly. But somehow, when I was in this lady's presence, I couldn't swear. And it wasn't as if she was holier than thou. It wasn't as if she, was, she looked at me askance if I said anything wrong. She just was herself. And she was so sweet and so kind and so gentle that it, I just felt restrained, constrained within myself to where I couldn't be my normal, obnoxious, demonized self. Something settled in me when I was with her. And I remember the one year her, she had actually gone over to Bethlehem to celebrate Christmas there. And while she was in Bethlehem, I think it was on Christmas Eve, her family farmed at Inquilani, which is um, about 20 or 30 kilometers outside of Ishawi, where I lived. And um, her brother, her young brother of about 15, went out on the farm roads in a bucky, and it, it overturned and he was killed. And she had to come back from Bethlehem. And the Christmas that should have been this glorious celebration would be a time instead of encountering death. And I was... I had trepidation before I met her up with her again. And I said, eventually I said to her, you know, I'm so sorry this happened. And she just, she just glowed. And she said, you know what? She said, I went over there to celebrate our Savior's birth. She said, but I came back and I could celebrate the fact that my brother went straight into Jesus' arms. And you know, even though I didn't believe it, it touched my heart. You know, I, I was like, I looked at her and I thought, this is real to you. And something about that touched me. And I know that it was all these encounters along the way with Christians that caused me finally to turn my life over to Jesus. And our lives have the potential, every single one of us has the potential just in our daily living to show people something that they, their senses can actually encounter us. Because instead of the worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, causing people to turn from, from the word. Instead, we can get to a place where people can look at us and really want to be with us because they feel peaceful and calm and they have hope. 
and they just feel better around us. Every one of us has the potential to do that. But you know, we don't just reach people through preaching in a pulpit. In fact, this is the least way of reaching anybody. The, the greatest way of reaching people is one-on-one. -on -one. In fact, many people get saved only through their friends. And so this is something that we are able to do um, here and now. Um, so our people's senses can't convince them, but our lives can. And that's why Peter said, I urge you, just read this again, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Why am I an alien in this world? Because this world is alien to me. I, um, I am aware of the reality of heaven. I've been changed so that heaven is more comfortable to me than this world. And so he says that this is true of all of us. We're strangers here. We're in this world, but we're not of it. We don't value what the world values. We value what God values. So he says, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And you know, I remember that the very first scripture that I ever got was on like a little bookmark because for me, getting saved was honestly like, it was like being born again on a new planet. And every single thing was new. As I looked at the trees, they looked different. As I looked at colors, they looked different. Everything sounded different. And so I was just completely overwhelmed from being in the darkness and coming into such great light that I just wanted to go to Christian book rooms and I stuck stickers all over my car and um, I, I told everybody that I met that they were going to hell if they didn't receive Christ because I thought that that was, I thought I was helping them. Um, it's not actually the way to do it, but I didn't know that. But um, the first scripture was on this bookmark I bought and it was Matthew 5, 16. And it says, um, what does it say? Somebody? Oh, I've got a Bible here. This is humbling for me. Let me tell you that. Because this was the, I'm trying to quote a scripture and I can't remember it. Um, yeah, thank you. Let your light so shine among men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And that was something that I just really took into my heart. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And you know, I instantly knew that that wasn't a thing of good works getting me to heaven because only Jesus could. But knowing Jesus and being changed to be like Jesus, what would come out of my life was no longer swearing, but what was coming out of my life was words which were life-giving. And so that is really what we are called to do. So Disney World is fiction, the characters are acting, but Heaven World is real, and the, the characters aren't acting. And words can persuade. You know, you can persuade somebody, but it's your lifestyle that convinces them. And you know what Heaven World here is populated by? Heaven World is populated by God lovers and people lovers, not by people who are in character. Just let me just say that again. Heaven world is populated by God lovers and people lovers, not by people who are in character. We don't come to church and act one way and go home and act another way. It's got to be real. 
Um, theme parks are filled with people who wear costumes and they've got fake attitudes just in order to create an impression. But Heaven World is filled with people who have become Christ, becoming Christ-like, more so as we get older. And you know, Heaven World isn't just church. Heaven World is your home. Heaven World is your business. Wherever you are, it's an expression of Heaven World. And I hope you're understanding what I'm saying because Heaven World is the life that is to come. But at this moment, we are, we are having a foretaste of it. As we, like, you know, as we came into this building this morning, just a few of us, a handful, some people to lead worship and just a media team. And we, as we came in, there was such a joy that I could feel in this place, just this handful of people, but I could hear voices, and they were happy voices, and they were raised, and there was laughter and joy. And you know, that is the oxygen of heaven. It's joy, and not, a, not the kind of drunken uh, joy that you, you know, a fake joy. It's not that. It's real. And so the very atmosphere is different. And so the heaven world is what lies ahead. And that's what I'm going to be teaching on in heaven and eternity. But heaven world here is just that foretaste we get as we get together and we are able to express who Jesus is. Are we able to do something in church services or even in our homes that actually focuses all our attention when we worship? We focus all our attention on giving praise, giving worship, adoring who he is. And so that is why when we gather together, it said, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. And so we, we encounter him, and there's just this wonderful atmosphere and this expression of heaven world that enters our world for that time. And it should be the, the little bubble world that we live in, because we experience heaven on earth. Um, but anyway, so I've already said that we live in a kind of par parallel universe. But you know what? Uh, people of heaven, people of heaven world rather, know this world is dying, but the people live forever. They know so that they can, they, they give their lives to make the lot of people easier. See, we are here today and we know, I hope you all know, those of you at home, I hope you all know that this world has an expiry date. It's going to die. It's going to burn. Every, it's actually reserved for judgment by fire. And there's a new heaven and a new earth which await us. And um, I just want to tell you something very, very quickly that I, that I watched on TV in this previous week. I was watching um, a Jewish Bible teacher, but a Messianic Jew, and he said this. I haven't checked it out, but I'm just telling you that this is what he said. You can check it out, and I'm going to. He said from creation up to the time, from creation up to Abraham, it was exactly 2,000 years. He said from Abraham to the time that the, the church was birthed was 2,000 years. And from the time that the church was birthed, 2,000 years after that will be 2030 to 2034. They're not sure of the time that Jesus was actually born. So, you, and that would make it 6,000 years. And you know, God created for six 
um, days and then rested on the seventh. And prophetically, people have always taught that there's 6,000 years of human history to be lived, and then the end will come. None of us know the end, but we know the signs of the end, and they are, they are all around us. But this teacher said, um, look around 2030. If it was 2030, it would give us nine years. If it was 2033 or 34, it would be a bit longer. I'm saying, oh God, if this is true, please let me be alive. You know, I've always wanted to be alive for the rapture. And I've said to God, please wake me up if I'm sleeping. Wake me up just moments before the rapture happens. I don't want to sleep and like and miss the trumpet blast. I want to be wide awake so that I can be all excited about it. But anyway, so we, there's not that much time left. Um, and so we are here to give our lives to make people's lots easier. And I want to read something about from C.S. Lewis, and then I'm going to pray. He says this. He said, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said this. He said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were those who thought the most about the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Shall we pray? Father, I just thank you for your word which shows us the reality of what we have to look forward to. And God, I pray today that for every person who has heard this word that I have preached, I pray, Father, for each one that you would cause the scales to fall from their eyes, fall from any scales that are left on my eyes, God, let them fall. And I pray that we would look at this world and recognize its temporary condition, that as we look at leaves falling, we would know that they have withered, they have died, they've dropped off of trees. And just as everything in our natural world dies, this world itself is dying. And I pray that the reality of that would grip our hearts and that we would determine within our own minds and hearts to live for what lies ahead, to live for eternity, to live for heaven. And so God, I pray in Jesus' name that there would be something, that there would be a commitment made in every heart and every life to say, Lord Jesus, I want this life to count. I want to serve you in this life. I want to live for heaven while I'm here on earth. And I thank you for that. Hilt, could you just take it from here?